Hello everyone, welcome to the new season of the Classic Podcast Admitted series where we invite Townsend Harris seniors to read their personal college essays that got them admitted into their dream schools. We're your new host taking over for Nikki Eng, our 2021 host. Um, I'm Jasmine. And I'm Jana. To kick off the relaunch of the series featuring the class of 2022 seniors, Today we're going to hear how her poetic manifesto at day camp got Eliza into her dream school. Eliza, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you so much both for having me. Um, I applied restrictive early action uh, to Yale and I intend to study comparative literature there. Amazing. So you answered prompt number six, uh, which asks, describe a topic, idea, or concept you find so engaging that it makes you lose all track of time. Why does it captivate you? What or who do you turn to when you want to learn more? All right, I can start. <laughs> no concrete responsibility existed beyond a world of pressed flowers and fermenting pickles in the garden at day camp. I could bury my hands in soil and let my overactive mind unwind. On a day when we were harvesting golden beets, a counselor began talking to me about the effects of climate change. I felt a burst of clarity, and I was inspired to say, no dirt, no food, no food, no trees, no trees, no breath, no breath, no life, no life, no earth. Heads turned to face me. People asked me to repeat myself. Later that week, an artist painted the words in strokes of deep green on a wooden plank to hang at the weekly farmer's market heralding it as the camp's manifesto. My first poem at seven years old transformed me into a valued contributor, and it gave me power to confront the internal cacophony I faced otherwise. Belisa Crepusculario, the protagonist of Isabel Allende's short story, Dos Palabras, also put her circumstances into perspective using the strength of words. She was orphaned, penniless, and illiterate, but when she first encountered a stray piece of newspaper, she knew she had to decode its meaning. Learning the beauty and power of words enabled her to pursue a better life. I reflect on Belisa's story often while riding the New York City subway. Grime and gumwads collect in every possible crevice. Stalactites in the ceiling drip onto passerby without warning. The chaos of the subway uproots my mind's equilibrium, so I turn to words once more. My travel companion became subway advertisements. I had no need to purchase the perfect mattress or to have my fortune told, but I studied each tidbit because the words comforted me. They led me to discover Poetry in Motion, a project launched by the MTA to inject a creative spark into transit systems all around America. Up until then, poetry seemed reserved for nature and love. Through the project, I met female poets who toppled that notion. Marie Howe mused, the whir of I should be, I should be, I should be, slows to silence. And Audrey Lorde imagined one sweet season to cast off on another voyage. First, my own words organized the world. Then I sought out the words of others to help guide me through it. Since discovering contemporary writing, I was inspired to reflect my own experiences through poetry. During summer programs for young writers at Iowa, Kenyon, and Sewanee, I learned to craft my words deliberately. As I grew more comfortable sharing my own voice, I sought to amplify the words of others as an editor-in-chief of my school's literary magazine, The Phoenix. Over time, I became increasingly aware that my monolingual poetry was only available to a small audience. But rather than feel deterred, I embody Belisa Crepusculario's curiosity and perseverance. Much like the elusive wordsmith, I feel a spark of excitement 
knowing there are new worlds of words to unlock. The key lay no further than my own neighborhood. My hometown of Jackson Heights represents 167 spoken languages, and it notably houses a vibrant Spanish-speaking population. Growing up in a sea of voices from every corner of the earth, I've become passionate about language learning to break down linguistic barriers. As I became more proficient in Spanish, many opportunities for cultural understanding presented themselves. I ordered corn, arepas, tamales, and churros from street vendors with ease. Words have been my solace, and language has become my method of supporting those around me. Belisa sold court arguments, dream interpretations, and political speeches, but at the heart of her trade, she uplifted others. Whether it be watching someone read my first poem, while buying locally grown produce, or hearing street vendors who recognize me shout, Recuerdo que hablas español, both make my place in my community crystal clear. Thank you. Amazing job. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, you're most definitely a wordsmith. Um, so I particularly loved how seamless your essay is. Um, you draw from so many different experiences and influences and you manage to make your words flow really well, um, especially the rhythm of your essay, not just structurally, but you especially reading it out loud, you can especially pick up on the poetic um, aspect of your essay in of itself. I love that and thank you um, for reading your essay out loud. So now we're just going to ask you a couple of questions. Um, so throughout your essay, you highlighted the attraction you have towards words as a poetic and communicative medium. Uh, so seven-year-old you was just able to spontaneously devise a cute manifesto on the fly. Um, so could you delve into your relationship with words a bit more? Um, did you just have this innate affinity um, for them? I talked a lot as a kid. I was definitely very talkative. Chatterbox was, you know, the nicer way that people said it. But I... I always found myself to be very verbal at a very young age, and that was how I expressed myself and, as I said, organized uh, the world through those words. And it, it helped me ground myself in what was going on and what was happening to be able to write or speak. And that was at the heart of who I was at that age. And I had no idea that what I was doing in that moment was poetry. I didn't really know what poetry was necessarily in complexity at that age, but I, I knew that what I had to say was important and I knew that words were the way that I could communicate it to the people around me so that they could understand and the way that I could understand other people. So that was why it was important to me at a young age. Yeah, so out of all the questions and topics you could have chosen for the essay, why did you choose your passion for words? And when did you start thinking about the topic or brainstorming? So I thought that that was just who I was. Um, I, it took me a while to come to that conclusion. I went through and cycled through many topics before I found it. But it was the thread uh, with which everything was connected, all of my ideas. So I thought, why not make it the thread of my essay, um, connecting all the anecdotes and realizations and reflections that I had. Um, I think it's really important that you reflect on your experiences and find a lot of people will advise that you choose one or two words that will best exemplify who you are and the type of person you want to purport to be in your essay. Um, and for me, that was kind of words and communication. Um, and that can really ground what you have to say. And that was really helpful in making all these disparate, seemingly disparate ideas come together and be cohesive. 
So in your essay, you refer to Isabel Allende and um, specifically her short story with the character Belisa. Um, so why did you feel this was the best author or story to fit into your own story? So why did it resonate with you? Um, I had early drafts where I tried to write a magical realist piece because I'm so inspired by the genre in my own work. And that didn't go over quite so well. I don't know if I'm quite Isabel Allende or Jorge Luis Borges in that method, but I do try and that's what I aspire to be as a writer. But I, I was thinking in that draft about elevating myself with words as though that was my method of uh, creating magic in my world. And then I thought, I already know of a character who does that. Why not um, compare myself to her? About the prompt that I chose, I wrote my essay before actually deciding what prompt would make sense for it. I don't know if I recommend this backward method, but for me, it just helped me say what I wanted to say. And then it ended up fitting prompt six, was it five, six? Six, yeah. <laughs> it ended up fitting prompt six the best, but that allowed me the freedom to not be confined within a prompt. Isabel Allende has always inspired me because she took the genre of magical realism, which uh, typically has male protagonists, and was able to show a woman elevating herself in society using that magic. So that was always an inspiration to me too. Um, so how have your interest in linguistic and linguistics and poetry fit into your growth as a person and also how has it permeated into your other interests? So I found linguistics later on. It was kind of writing poetry and learning languages and linguistics felt like it melded those things. Um, and if you were to consider a Venn diagram, I think that if you saw poetry and language on either side and then um, words would be in the middle. So again, with that connecting thread. And I found words kind of just trickling into my life everywhere. I think that my growth as a person, as I described in the essay, like broadening my perspective through language and reading the poetry of people with different perspectives, um, seeing those different stories, I think that is where words have most helped my growth. And I think that the admissions committee really wants to see how you grow and what you take from your environment. Um, and if you're able to reflect on that, in a not, you know, obvious way, like here's me reflecting, but more of just that introspection, I think that'll show that you're able to do that in a more mature context. What challenges did you come across when trying to write the essay and in order to convey your ideas? So I think the most difficult thing for me was probably the length that it took. It was just a long, grueling process in which I never really felt that it was going to be done. Uh, I worked on it um, as though I was chipping away at a marble block trying to create a statue. So I put myself on a timeline every single week I was to get a certain amount of work done and then I would evaluate where I was, leave some comments on my stuff. If I wanted my mom to read over it, I would have her read over it. Um, and, and then keep going week by week, taking it week by week. And that's, that's what helped me with it. But for many weeks, I started in June and I ended in September, so that was many weeks. Um, it felt like I didn't know what I was doing. I jumped from different topics. I had just the subway. I had my favorite um, childhood children's book <laughs> that I loved that 
was all about making the world a more beautiful place um, through words. And I had threads about all different types of things. It was, it was a patchwork that hadn't come together yet. But I think the most difficult thing for me, even now, is to see the fully formed essay without noticing all the places that I cut things. I see it almost like, if you've ever seen that dissection of the Mona Lisa, like where they pull out and it's every layer that has ever been, like an, a painter or an artist going on a canvas again and again and again until it gets right. I think it's an art form in that way. And the most difficult thing for me was accepting that it would be done. Your essay makes a distinction between words and language as two separate abstract entities with perhaps some overlap. You mentioned how linguistics access plays a crucial distinguisher. Why did that in particular strike a chord with you as a writer? I think that in my writing, I wanted to display that there's a lot of miscommunication that goes on in the world. There's a lot of ways in which people aren't connected. And one way I'm passionate about making sure that people are able to access one another and understand one another is through language. So I wanted to hint at that being something that I might tackle in my college years or do research on. Um, I'm interested in doing research about linguistics and the development of language, but also how learning languages can help you better understand the world or become less ignorant about different cultures and societies. So I wanted that to kind of be an undercurrent for them to pick up on. Great. Um, so you talked about being um, a part of a multicultural community. You grew up in Jackson Heights um, as an impetus to learn more Spanish um, so you could interact with a wider breadth of people. Um, so it seems like you have a really nice relationship with a lot of your community members. Um, do you want to talk more about that? Of course, I'd be honored. I, I love the community I grew up in so much so that my initial draft of my personal statement was about me working as a cashier, as I've done as a summer job for the past couple years during the pandemic, and how I was able to connect with my colleagues, I was able to connect with the customers, and that doing so through Spanish actually allowed me to understand and see more of my community and for them to understand and see me right back. Um, I ended up transferring that to like a more community-centered essay that I used in different places of supplements. So I would recommend that you, if you feel like your personal statement isn't quite clicking as you're writing it, maybe that topic could be better suited to a supplement that comes later. So don't delete any of your stuff, I would say. Um, but I think that my community is unique in that there's people from all different types of countries speaking many languages. This was just one particular area I was able to hone in on. Um, my life's work is hopefully to be able to understand as many of them as possible and vice versa, but you know, that's not quite realistic. Um, and I think that just that type of connection through language was really important to me. And lastly, what advice would you give to students currently considering what to write about for their college essays? So one thing I would consider is the squint test. It was a great piece of advice I got. Um, if you really squint hard at your essay and you kind of just see it in characters, you should see variation there from as many capital letters as you can put in, um, in reference to proper nouns like people, places, things, so that you can be as specific as possible. And you want to add dimension. For instance, I had some quotes in there. I had my own poem and that was italicized. Admissions officers reading that, you know, it's going to be 
a shift in the usual, you know, sentences that they see. And studies have shown that that um, improves uh, their comprehension and may keep them interested for longer to have that variation. I also think that you should consider that telling the school kind of like what you would give to them and what they would get from you. So I talked a lot about, you know, who I am within my environment and what I contribute to it so that they could know that I'd be able to transfer that understanding and learning and contribution to their campus. So I recommend you think about that. I also think that this podcast is fantastic, but if you want to hear from uh, admissions officers themselves, there's a podcast called Inside the Yale Admissions that I listen to religiously. So that could be a supplementary material to check out if you're interested in Yale specifically. Alrighty, thank you so much, Eliza, and thank you to all of our listeners tuning in. This concludes this episode of Admitted. You can find previous and future episodes of Admitted on Spotify, um, and you will see all future episodes as well on our YouTube channel, The Classic TV. You can check The Classic out on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok through THHS Classic. Um, Make sure to give them a visit and look out for our next episode, which comes out next week, Thursday. Thanks, everyone.